Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. We have a little unique show. I'm going to entitle this episode, Family Finances During a Time of Uncertainty. It's like when you pull up to the gas pump, what's the latest shock to fill up your car or your truck or to go to the store and fill up your grocery cart with groceries? People have wondering, wow, this this is this was a shock. Didn't expect this. And we think there may be other changes coming. What do families do with their finances during times of uncertainty? Just a disclaimer, in this show, we're just giving general information on family finances. We're not making, what do you call it, investment advice that you should be following. You, you get a uh, certified investment advisor to ask you in these things and ask other family members who are knowledgeable. And just an FYI, we are not selling anything, pitching anything, or getting any kickbacks from anything. We're just sharing our minds and our hearts about a very important topic, and it really hits every family exactly where they live. My special guest, who is a return guest, is Bob Van Norden. Bob has a master's degree from Columbia University in psychology and has 20 years experience working as a broker on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Bob, welcome again to Faith and Family. Thanks, Steve. It's a blessing to be here once again. Well, you know, I wasn't going to mention this, but I read an article this week in that people's investments are often based on psychology more than numbers and graphs and all that type of thing. And then I read your bio. Where are we? How is psychology could be affecting the stock market, family finances? Uh, Obviously, people are concerned. There's been a switch. So what's your take on what's going on? Yeah, psychology is certainly is a is a, an important aspect of the investment world. Uh, coming from my background, that kind of slipped in there, and uh, there's so much of a of sometimes so much of a crowd mentality in terms of investment. Uh, you know, everybody likes to go in one direction, and then all of a sudden, when it turns, everybody's kind of hanging off the cliff, and and, and the Many of the, the, your gurus who have really made it big in the investment markets, of course, have been kind of one step ahead and going in the opposite direction. And uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real psychology. I mean, if you get caught starting to, with the market going down or whatever investments you're in going down, uh, there's a point where you start really to feel the heat and you start to bail out, and it's usually right, around, right about the wrong time when maybe you should, probably should be buying rather than selling, and vice versa when you look to be buying because things look so hot, but they're about to turn the other way. So there's a lot of psychology involved in that. Now, there's been you know runaway stock market and housing prices going up, and people feel rich when they look up on Zillow what their house is worth and whatever, even though they don't sell it. But in 2022, it seems like the ground is is shifting. What are some signs of 
the economic ground shifting underneath families listening yeah. to this broadcast. I was just looking at some or listening to a person giving us some data just this week, and uh, they made some interesting uh, points. Uh, the stock market over the first three quarters of 2022, uh, this is the worst performance the stock market has had since the mid-1970s. Which is down between where the right right now we're down twenty twenty three percent somewhere in that right in that range right now, and uh, usually it's the oftentimes the fourth quarter that really nails a market. But this first three quarters have had been historically uh, really get beaten up. Uh, you, you of course you've had the cryptocurrencies that have had major corrections in the last couple of months, uh, and you've had bonds, which I my understanding is that it, they're they're in. Uh, a, a multi-century uh, sell-off uh, this year uh, compared to other years, in the, again, in the first uh, three quarters. So it, it's been a funny market. You don't – there's been a sense out there that things haven't really changed that much. But for the first three quarters, things have really gotten hit uh, quite hard. Uh, and what's interesting is you would think that with the inflationary environment that's going on right now with gas prices and food prices, et cetera, uh, that your inflation hedges should be soaring, meaning your precious metals. And they're on the verge of making multi-year lows, right, as we speak. Uh, your cryptocurrencies, which sometimes is a hedge against that, of course, have been flattened over the last couple of months. And it's, uh, it's an interesting dichotomy that's going on right now in the markets uh, and a lot of people don't even sense uh, the magnitude of what, what's happened here in the, in the last couple months. Do you think there could be political reasons why so much of the media isn't reporting on some of those statistics you just mentioned? Because th those are some things that, I mean, I can look back as a father of a family with eight kids, you know, there's stress, there's financial stress on a family, you know, that you know, you lose your job, like I did as a Protestant pastor or whatever, <laughs> there can be a lot of stress. And so you look at things and yet it would be keeping a lot of people up at night. And yet, I mean, everybody knows it's a lot of inconveniences and hassles and yes, gas is expensive, but are, are folks really aware of what you just mentioned, do you think? I do not believe that they are. Uh, I mean, again, the, the media um, has really kind of papered over a lot of this uh, discomfort that's going on. Uh, the administration, of course, is saying right now, you know, we're still not in a recession. We're doing just great. And your average Joe out there is kind of feeling the heat. Right. Exactly. Now, I, I went and did some Googling this morning, and these are just a few of the things in our federal budget, but the recent student debt bailout, proposed bailout, uh, scheduled to cost $300 billion. And I saw actually it, something from Wharton said it actually costs around $500 billion. The Inflation Reduction Act, $740 billion. And I don't know how you could keep a straight face and call $740 billion an Inflation Reduction Act. And then there's federal deficits like trillion dollars or more. That means like if you're working hard all year long and you come up with a significant portion of your family budget in the red, that's what we're doing as a country. So 
What happens to countries who follow a path like our country's on? And can these debts ever be paid off? It seems unlikely the debt could ever get paid off. We've, we've, we've moved past the, the, uh, the $30 trillion mark. And, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> the president administration is spending money like it's uh, – they, fa- they can't print it fast enough. Uh, these situations inevitably lead to a collapse at some point, and uh, when that's going to happen, boy, it's hard to tell. But y- you know that as we start climbing this wall of debt in in such a, a fast pace, that it would seem to be that we're getting a lot closer all the time to something really the rug being pulled out from under us, and uh, life's lives changing dramatically because of it. Now, I know uh, people who have their savings get emails, uh, the company offering a robot <laughs> to tell you how to invest and this and that. Uh, you have mentioned to me it's time to be very prudent and cautious and maybe not trying to make a whole lot of money with retirement savings and that type of thing, but rather be cautious and try to preserve wealth in a, in a time like this. It would seem to me that's the, that, that is the prudent thing to do right now. I mean, p- for people who have had the opportunity to, to, to have cash and, and who are in the investment world, it's, I mean, if you have a, a good bundle of money right now, I mean, it's, it, for me, it's hard to believe, okay, do I want to jump into the stock market at 34000 uh, do I want to uh, go into a bond market with inf- that that's that's coming off historically low yields uh, and now into a, some sort of inflationary environment where bonds they've taken a real hit? But uh, is it is, is there room for it to go to get hit more? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I mean, where do you put your money? I mean, there just doesn't seem to be a, a real lucrative area right now. The cryptocurrencies, of course, got demolished, um, and your precious metals don't don't show any signs of any of any real life right here. Um, to me, prudence is the word. And uh, one thing in in an environment like this, where you don't know where to put it, one good adage that I've come across that has been mentioned to me, but I think makes a lot of sense, is if if you do if you're in a situation where you do have cash, it might make a it might make great sense to pay forward some of the expenses that you know are coming up in the next year or two years or three years or whatever. For instance, if you, if you have a mortgage, if, you have, if you're paying rent, um, your utility costs, maybe you can make a deal with some of these situations where say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a year or two years in advance and uh, at, a, at a reduced rate and you have the money now to start paying some of that off in an inflationary environment that really makes a lot of sense because you, the prices are probably going to continue to go up. And even in a deflationary situation where the prices may come down, at least you, you have the money right now where you can you can pay these things off and, and, and make sure that you're not falling into some kind of debt by, ha- by having paid off now. It, that to me makes, makes, makes a lot of sense for one of, the, one of the things that you can do in this environment. If I could kind of chime in on that same strategy – what we've tried to do here at the Family Life Center is things that we know that we need, um, and it was your advice to do that, but coupled with just things we know we need, but things that may also be impacted from the ongoing supply chain mm-hmm. crisis exactly. and or 
China wants to invade Taiwan, I mean, three quarters of the things in Walmart are going to disappear and just be able to get copy paper for your printers or ink for your machines or whatever your business uses. So we've gone ahead and, and, and tried to purchase what we're going to need for the next 12, 18 months so that we're not caught flat-footed with basic supplies. And whatever business or home, what your home needs, you could, if you have the cash, to go do that. But you did, you did mention uh, staying away from debt. Talk about the ability. I mean, the American way is <laughs> sign up, no payments for 24 months and all this stuff. Uh, give us a warning on debt for families. Yeah, debt Debt is a is a crucial aspect uh, in an economy that is a is has the possibility of heading south. Um, the last thing you want to do is is be in a position where you're owing a lot of money to people. Uh, jobs could come uh, under scrutiny here. Uh, people could be losing their livelihoods uh, in a in a in an economic downturn, a severe one. Uh, the last thing you want to do is have debt because that you, you're kind of the first guy out of the game in a sense. Uh, if, you, if, if you have money to hold on to that you have and you're not owing it to somebody, you can stay in the game a lot longer and hope that you, the, that you can uh, be there when, they, when, the, when the tide turns, let's say. But if, once you get knocked out of the game, then, it, then, then things get very difficult and, and, and heavy debt is – the last thing you want in that situation. And when you're used to the euphoria for everything going up, 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 up for so many years, and then if it really, and you're seeing it, is it really already turned in 2022? It seems to have. Yeah. And we don't know if it's going to continue or not, but just, again, prudence not to be caught on the short side. Uh, this is something that I find very troubling. Um Wall Street Journal reported as a result of the 2008 financial crisis that the Securities and Exchange Commission enabled money market funds. And a lot of folks who have some savings are they're in money market funds of some type. They can put on controls or special fees to withdraw those funds in time of a financial crisis. This was passed back in 2016. Uh-huh. That's kind of concerning. Yeah. That's yep. very concerning, really. In other words, if you need your money, and the reason I mention this, I have a hard time imagining this, quite honestly, and is this some kind of uh, phony baloney reporting, but I read this week that there are literally army tanks, Chinese army tanks sitting in front of Chinese banks because there's some kind of run. Everybody wants their cash out of the bank. So people are really mad about it. And you think, well, this could never happen here, but it has happened here. It has happened uh, here. Well, it was under President Roosevelt. <clears throat> I mean, my mother, she was a little girl. She told me, she said, I heard in the radio they're going to have a bank holiday. She said, I thought in my mind, how can, how can a bank go on vacation? You know, she had no idea what he was talking about. But uh, banks can be closed and banks can fail. That's exactly right, Steve. And this is a this is another real troublesome situation in a, in a hard economic downturn. Uh, you could have your your major institutions, certainly financial institutions, uh, really withhold 
uh, what they have. And you won't be able to get out your funds in any easy way. And we've talked about this before, about I think it's uh, another prudent thing if you do have surplus cash right now, if you are fortunate enough to be in that situation. I mean, I think some of it makes, makes some real sense to, to keep uh, a pile of that cash somewhere readily handable. And that's, that does not mean in a safe deposit box where if a bank closes or shuts down for a while, you won't have access to it. Your ATM machines could shut down. You want cash somewhere around where, where you live uh, where you can get at it, either, the, either cash or some sort of uh, way of paying for what you're going to need, whether it's precious metals or, or uh, cryptocurrencies. I don't, it doesn't know what matter, make sure what it is, but to have some kind of reserve handy so that you can afford to do what you have to do when the, when the, when the chips are down. We talked about in an earlier broadcast about how to find a safe bank. <laughs> I lost my notes for that. But that was the one thing people started asking about is that how do I find a safe bank? And just lay terms for the average mom or dad wanting to say, okay, we have some savings. We want to put them in the safest place. And we're not talking now about having a little cash somewhere near us in case of a, a crisis, but wanting to have a safe bank. What would be something or something somebody would look at to try to find a safe bank well, think, or a safer bank? Right. I think the first thing you look at is is what loans they have out. Okay. Are they, are they first of all, how much they have loaned out, but, but more importantly, what kind of loans they've made out? Are they, are they in shaky hands uh, where situations where they may not be, their, their debtors may not be able to pay them back. Uh, and, the, and, and consequently, all of a sudden, the bank starts in, uh, inheriting all sorts of property and uh, um, goods or whatever it is uh, that they are going to inherit, and they don't want them. But they will get them because their, their, their creditors won't be able to pay them back. So that's one thing. That's the, the first thing I would really look at in terms of a bank is is just either what liquidity they have, and also, more importantly, where are their loans? Are they are they in risky hands? And I think there's two or three services I don't recall at the moment. I'm sure you can find it through Google. You might pay like fifteen dollars to pay for a firm to do that work for you. In other right. words, if you don't feel competent, and I remember uh, I did that back in 2008 and found out within about 30 miles of here is one of the safest banks according to these rating agencies for probably two or 300 miles. Uh -huh. And uh, during the Great Depression, when Roosevelt closed all the banks, they put a sign on the front window. Bank is closed. And if you needed cash, just came around the back door and you could withdraw money from your account. Right. Now, I, I tell you, that's a rare bank, but there are banks like that around the United States. And in addition to what you recommended, just having cash out of a safety deposit box or an account it might be something to think about. Right. And, uh, you know, again, you want to keep current on these banks also because obviously the situations can change. change. Yeah. So what was true five, six, seven years ago may not be so true today. So keep on top of, of what your uh, bank situation is. Now, here's something 
might be a little technical, but it's happening. And I, I have been reading that with this Russian invasion of Ukraine, we slap certain sanctions on Russia, but there are financial people criticizing our putting sanctions on the Russian ruble and the Russians' ability to uh, transact trade because that's kind of like an act of war. If you tell a a country you can't trade, and so it's called the SWIFT system. I don't know too much about it, and my adult life, I've lived under it, but they say that the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency in the SWIFT system, and that is now we've pushed North Korea, Iran, China, and Russia all together, maybe India, and they're going to form an alternative system. I mean, what happens to the American middle class if the dollar loses its reserve currency status? Uh, certainly, it's going to be a real troublesome. Uh, maybe not so much internally, because you're still going to have you're still say, the, pretty much the same buying power for American stuff, but obviously anything international of which we which we import so much of what we need would be major problem for, for anybody with, with, with dollars now trying to buy something outside the United States uh, in a currency that's being devalued. Well, and so many American companies like, what's more American than John Deere? Well, guess where they get their parts? It's overseas. True. That could just be a radical change. It's almost like our, our life, so to speak, post-World War II could enter a whole new chapter if we don't have a currency that's being supported by having the rest of the world have to buy our debt, so to speak. That's correct. Um, you know, in line with this, I, I should mention, you know, there's been some experts that have been talking about a real, a real problem co- looking forward with the food supply. And uh, again, there's a situation, I mean, I, I I understand China has purchased a lot of United States farmland. Bill Gates has purchased a lot of United States farmland. These these farms are food supply going into the hands of very few uh, could create a real problem for for the for us as average Americans uh, in terms of finding food that's going to happen six months from now, whatever that do, do. and then that might be another good idea at this point in time, just store up a little bit of food storage uh, in case that these predictions uh, do come to pass, that food supply could be greatly impacted uh, sometime early next year into next year. Well, and then the other thing, what happens if you're the main breadwinner for a family and you've very unexpectedly get laid off because a lot of these things, they come down rather fast. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had enough to eat for a couple months or a month, um, well, that might at least get you through to finding another type of work and uh, that type of thing uh, because we're, we're living with no buffer. Right. Um, everybody is spending everything they have as fast as it comes in and and uh, we don't have any supply chains. And as you're mentioning, the food situation is uh, pretty critical because the cost 
of the fertilizers and all the food production has gone up so much, it hasn't even come through yet. And even though people are saying, what are you talking about? It hasn't come through yet. Believe me, it hasn't come through yet. What you're paying now is high, but it's going to get higher. I just read in, um, oh, where was it? Some African country, I think it was Nigeria. Well, their food prices are going up 20%. We're half that. Uh, this is this is going to be a serious thing, and the whole world, I think it's 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 an insult to drunken sailors. The whole world is just acting like drunken sailors in their spending spree. I'm talking about nations, yep. families. Um, you know, I would issue a, a plea even to apostolates and educational institutions: be prudent. I think that's that's the uh, the operative word right now is prudence. Um, you know, and, and again, your fertilizer situation is greatly impacted by what's going on in Ukraine and Russia in terms of, uh, I know I understand Brazil gets 20% of their fertilizer from Russia, Ukraine, a lot of the countries in Africa the same way. And the food crunch in those situations could be really... Uh, Massive starvation. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it could be really intense. Uh, all that translates into the possibility of dramatic social unrest. I mean, look at just what happened in Sri Lanka. There was a perfect mm-hmm. example of a, of a country that was doing well. All of a sudden, they decided to go green, stop their fertilizer. Their food supply got that got demolished, and all of a sudden, they're, they're riding in the capital, and the, 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 the administration has to has to head for the hills. Yeah. And uh, this you can see this happening in a number of places. Well, we just got a few seconds left, Bob. Any closing remarks you would just say to the family listening? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we've talked about a situation of, of inflation and deflation. We're obviously, we're right now, we're in an inflationary situation. Uh, I would not discount the idea that we could be moving into a deflationary situation, however, because inventories are starting to build up, as I understand it from the experts. And it just makes sense. If there, there comes a point where the average citizen, the average guy, uh, just can't get, can't pay for these things. Uh, a lot of the, especially in the service industries, et cetera, and all that spells is an economic decline in a major way, which becomes deflationary. All of a sudden, jobs get lost because you don't need all those people. Okay. Well, Bob, thank you so much. Definitely appreciate your coming back. I'm guessing that the uh, next uh, 12, 24 months, we're going to need to have you back at least once. Well, I, I, I just uh, I hope <laughs> things are better than, than, we, than we seem to think we're headed. I agree. <laughs> I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.